0: What is up? Welcome to The Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. I want to mention up front that you can follow me at Twitter at The Walk Show Pod, Instagram and Facebook at The Walk Show. Uh, you can also always email me at walker at thewalkshowpodcast.com. If you like the show, I do invite you to take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, whatever your app lets you do uh, to, to help the show be more discoverable. Uh, If you listen on Apple Podcasts, that's actually one of the bigger podcast platforms, and a lot of the other podcast distributors actually pull directly from Apple. Um, But either way, again, just to to help more people be able to to find the show. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast that I coast with my friend Brett Lindley, who's been a guest on The Walk Show several times. Um, We used to sprinkle in some video game episodes into The Walk Show, and instead of continuing that trend, uh, Brett and I actually decided to partner up and, and create Pick Up Your Sticks. So if you enjoy uh, kind of the long-form conversations that we have here on The Walk Show, but also enjoy gaming, then again, Pick Up Your Sticks. Uh, you can find that on, on Twitter at P-U-Y-S-Pod. Uh, also, uh, just on all the streaming podcast platforms, just like The Walk Show, uh, Pick Up Your Sticks is available uh, again, for gaming. If gaming's not your thing, then that's all right. Uh, just stick, stay here on the walk show, and uh, probably won't have any more episodes really about gaming because that's the whole point of Pick Up Your Sticks, and, and we can kind of really get into the nitty-gritty of it all there, um, which is what we what we are excited about. The other thing with Pick Up Your Sticks is that it's not just news and reviews or something like that. It's it it's really Brett and I trying to identify. Why gaming matters, and talking about you know current games coming out, games that we're playing, and just our own personal experiences and memories, and 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 I don't know personal insights into why different games or gaming experiences have mattered to us, and then you know maybe how they've also influenced the the culture at large. Um, on today's show, I uh, I do want to thank very much Corey Johnson for for joining the show. Corey is a talented musician. Uh, Here in the Springfield area, and has some really interesting insights on music and kind of on the local music scene, and some really interesting experiences. I really had a blast talking with Corey, and I think you'll enjoy it too. Um, Music for today's show is a little split. Uh, We will have music from Misha, as always. Uh, However, we also, towards the end of the episode, have a song from Corey and a friend of his named Nate White. Who has an album that features a song with Corey on it and then also uh, at the end of the episode the the song that will kind of take us out of the episode is also another song from Nate White and uh, and Corey Johnson collaborating on that. Uh, Without further ado let's jump into the conversation with Corey. Gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Today we're joined by Corey Johnson. Corey, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? Hey, good evening, Walker. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've known you for a few years now, and yeah. uh you have been a talented musician for that entire time. I'm gonna guess probably prior to meeting me. Um <laughs> That's not true for a lot of people. A lot of people meet me, and that's really what kind of puts them when on the career, path.
1: your career, your yeah. career, take off.
0: <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> that's yeah. what I figured. Yeah. Well, and if it wasn't for meeting me, it's from being on this show with the dozens <laughs> of listeners that we have. Well, so that's
1: what I'm counting on. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'll split the ad revenue with you.
1: <laughs> yes, um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah, so I just kind of wanted to, to talk to you about uh, about your music. Um, so you have been you currently play trumpet in a band. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> I've, I, I do a few different things. Trumpet. Uh, I started playing trumpet when I was a kid, when I was eight mm. years old. I started playing. Oh, wow. So I played my whole life. And um, and currently I've been really doing more freelance trumpet work than anything else. Um, I've, I've always played a trumpet. In the bands that I've been in for the most part, except for a current project that I do with my daughter right now, we play uh, more um, kind of folk Americana uh, acoustic type music Mm -hmm. around town and in the area. And so and we sing. And so when I do that, um, it's just it's guitar whether it be electric or acoustic depending on where we're at and what size of the venue and the event and that kind of thing but trumpet uh like i said i started playing when i was uh eight years old um and went all the way through school and played into college at uh missouri state which was sms oh, wow. at the time yeah so i did a, a couple years there um and i did the uh pride marching band and I did the lady bear band and I did the concert band and jazz band and all that stuff, uh, into college. And then, um, and then kind of set it aside a little bit and started, mm-hmm. tried to, you know, graduate college and start a career and a family and all that stuff. And just would pick it up for like, a, uh, if I played at a church or if I played uh, for a friend's wedding or just something occasionally. Um, and then, um, started playing again Oh, I want to say it was probably around 2009, 2008, 2009. Um, and, and then have been a part of bands since that point, like playing out regularly. And, um, like I said, through just the progression of what I've been involved in, it's kind of led me in a path to a really pretty sweet spot right now where I've, uh, made a ton of connections, uh, in this area in the Springfield music scene. And I've been playing more trumpet, um, with bands, uh, that normally don't have horns. So like, okay. uh, yeah, rock bands, um, or, um, one-off projects like, um, I did a ska tribute night where we played, uh, say Ferris music, um, uh, from the nineties. And so, uh, I played, you know, we, we prepared for that show and played that show and then that was done and we might do it again. Uh, I played in a John Mayer tribute show, not too long ago, played trumpet for that. Um, there's a recording studio out of Republic, Missouri called audio in motion. Um, they do these, uh, they're, they're, they're called something like one, uh, one take videos or something like that. One take sessions, but they, uh, basically they'll send, uh, they'll get a group of, uh, musicians and they'll send you some material or, or even just a video and say, Hey, we want to cover this song. Um, can you come out on this night? And so basically you go, you show up, you run through it a couple of times and then they record you. And so I've been, uh, due to trumpet work, um, and uh, just getting recognized more and getting known for that i've been doing a lot of those and that's led me into other things and uh and so it, 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 the one big thing that i just did um this is a big big roundabout way of answering your question but no you're good you're good as <laughs> yeah so the biggest thing that that um i've been involved in really in my m- musical career more or less but also uh, lately is uh I played in this tribute show to a group called granny's bathwater and granny's bathwater was a, uh, a funk soul, um, kind of Southern rock mesh of music of a, a group from Springfield based in Springfield back in the sixties and seventies. Um, they kind of came up at the same time that was Ark mountain daredevils. Some of the, uh, members of each group kind of interchanged at different times. <clears throat> and they, they they've had a, a lot of a loss through the years. Cause it's been, they haven't played in over 40 years together and wow. guys. Yeah. Guys have passed away, you know, different things have happened, but there's still a handful of them around. And so I got called to um, play trumpet in this group due to some relationships that I've built in the, in the scene with some other horn players. And, and so I was able to get to do that. And, and as a part of that, um, we were able to start as a tribute, which is simply a bunch of young guys. And I call myself young. I'm not that young, but a bunch of uh, guys in the community that uh, we're going to just learn their songs, add some other covers in and just have a tribute night to the band. It's just gonna say, Hey, most people don't know about granny's bathwater. Let's do this show. Let's, uh, you know, blow it out and have a good time. And then a couple of the other, uh, the original members that are left, I think there's five of them around, um, wanted to become a part of that so they uh one at a time kind of slowly started showing up and then it it just morphed and evolved into this awesome experience where it became not only a tribute show but it was like a reunion show oh wow yeah so we uh we had we played at the riff and this was just friday night so i'm still kind of kind of floating yeah floating yeah because it was it was awesome we uh Packed out the riff. I think there was between three hundred fifty and four hundred people in there, and um, wow. the median age was was older. I mean, I'm I would say probably median age was right around sixty something, um, because it was a lot of people that grew up with these guys and knew these guys from back in the day and would go mm-hmm. see them, and um, and they had a good run, man. They they toured the U.S., they toured up into Canada, they opened for uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandals, which was a Motown. Recording artists, they played two sold-out nights at Madison Square Garden uh, in New York City. They've had rev- residencies in New Orleans and down in Florida. I mean, in Atlanta, and they, they were kind of a big deal for a while. And so, the being a part of this um, for me was kind of a, and some of the other horn players too, was kind of an emotional deal. In that, um, it was kind of a culmination of, of you know relationships and hard work and. Um, not having a lot of opportunities with horn bands, you know, in this area into this mm-hmm. kind of bring, you know, we brought this group back and, and and reintroduced them to the Springfield scene. And it was it was really awesome. And so uh, um, so that that is when it's hard for me to say when somebody says you play trumpet in a group or in a band, it's like, well, I actually play trumpet for whoever asks. Right and, yeah, and so the the granny's bathwater tribute um we've been working on it hard since uh I think I jumped in in May, oh wow, <clears throat> yeah, two to three rehearsals a week since may, Wow, that's yeah, a lot it's a lot, and part of it was the guys, the original guys they wanted they wanted it done right, and they wanted mm-hmm. they they knew people were gonna be coming, and they knew those people would have a high expectation from what they mm-hmm. remembered, and so we would just woodshed these songs pick them apart chord by chord note by note rhythm by rhythm and as a horn section we do sectionals which i haven't done that since college where it's like we just sit down and we'll play things like really slow and just make sure rhythms are right and notes are right at the same time the rhythm section is doing their own sectional At the same time the vocalists are doing their own sectional and then we would come together for um, rehearsals as a full band and just uh, put it together and and it was uh, it was really great. It was really awesome. So so that was that was like that's kind of in the forefront of my brain right now. <laughs> I still walk yeah, around, no, I bet, you know, humming and, and whistling the songs because we've been <laughs> working on them for they're, they're in there, you know, <laughs> they're tattooed on my brain. But, um, yeah, I've, I've had some really cool opportunities with the trumpet um, for, for the last several years that um, I wouldn't have had uh, just like five years ago. Um, like there's a band called Moodring Circus in town. Um, they're they're a recording band and they have done some small tours and um, but they're a rock band here and they uh, they hire us as a horn section. When I say us. It's uh, a couple guys that play trombone that switch out on their availability. Uh, Chris Vanderpool and Josh Randolph um kind of come in and out when depending on who can do it and then ryan dunn who's a local saxophone player um he plays in branson but he plays all over this area and then myself on trumpet And so the three of us get pulled in on a lot of different projects to uh to play and so it's pretty awesome Uh, i mean that's kind of one of the reasons that i took up uh, guitar and singing Mm -hmm. at one point was um I wanted to play out but there no one was looking for a trumpet player you know sure. six seven years ago so i was like well i, I kind of want to do this so learned guitar and, and just started getting a hold of other musicians but through time and through you know uh the change in this the music scene in springfield um it's become more welcoming for uh horns to be a part of uh, groups and ensembles again so it's pretty awesome
0: yeah, that's yeah, that's that's super cool. Uh, I yeah, I had no idea that, <laughs> that that was that there was a band from that long ago in Springfield that was that relevant. That's, exactly. Uh, <laughs> most,
1: yeah, most people didn't. I mean, they really established the scene um, uh, you know, along with the the Ozark Mountain Daredevils who became kind of the synonymous uh, yes. band for the area. You know, they they made it big. Well, Granny's w- uh, had a lot of a, a lot of success. Um, and this is just, this is coming from the, you know, the older fellows that were the original members. You know, they, I don't think they, they, and they admit that they didn't handle their business quite right back in the day. You know, they're all young, having a great time living in the 60s and 70s. Right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, so the stories, oh my God, the stories. And, um, but they're, they're, they learned a lot and, um, and, you know, listening to them, you know, they, they they would have handled it differently, obviously, you know, um, and sure. a couple the couple of the members were, uh, key members were killed in a car wreck. Um, oh man, at, yeah. At one point. Um, and I, and that kind of devastated their, uh, forward progress as well. Um, but, but yeah, the recordings by these guys are, are, uh, amazing. I mean, they're really good music. So <clears throat> it's, it was really exciting to learn about them and then to meet them and then to play with them and, you know, play their songs. It was really awesome.
0: Yeah. That's like the, that's like the coolest version of like a cover band kind of experience that you could yeah. have. Right. Like right. most cover <laughs> bands never would meet the act that they're actually portraying. Um, and I guess it's a tribute show. So you're not a cut, not a cover group, but you know what right. I mean? Same kind of idea at
1: least. Yeah. But let alone have the opportunity to play with them.
0: That's what I feel. That's yeah. What, yeah, not just meet, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, actually get
1: on stage with them. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that what what worked out well for me um, is the original trumpet player. He still plays, his name is Larry Getz, and he still plays in the area. He sits in on jazz ensembles and gets asked to do little recording projects and different things like that. But, but he turned uh, 78 the other night and, Oh wow. um, Yeah. And, and I know he's had a little bit of trouble with uh, some teeth and some different things, but man, the guy can still play outstanding. And so he he and I, from the start kind of made a, kind of made a deal where, um, you know, he said, uh, basically if I can hit the high notes, you know, he'll work with me on the rhythms. And then when we play together, we'll, we'll pick harmonies that, that work together. So we're not trying to battle each other through these parts. Um, and so we kind of formed a nice bond, you know, from early on, um, right. he took, he would take a lot of the solos, uh, because that he is good at that. And I mean, he would, he tore up the solos on the songs that he did. Um, and then, you know, my expectation was there's these parts with some really high notes and, and I needed to hit those. And so I did my part, he did his part and when we put it together, it was really pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, just from listening to this, and I actually have another buddy um, that, that I, I know that just recently decided to, he was working as a, a teacher at, at Springfield Music, and then he's also mm-hmm. um, was working, I think, at a grocery store, and he decided to scrap the grocery store gig because he thinks he, he, he was like, I'm pretty sure I can replace that income with performances. Yeah. And I just had no idea that the Springfield, I mean, I guess I'm just old- despite being in my thirties, but uh, I just don't get out because I had no idea the Springfield music scene was that cool. Like I thought that there was, I don't know. I mean, obviously I've been in, I've seen you play live before Mm -hmm. uh, back in some other groups that you used to be in back in the day. And and, and not that I've never been to a good live music experience here, but I just kind of thought that they were few and far
1: between, but it sounds like it's pretty, common actually (laughs) it really is it's pretty exciting time right now there's uh there's a lot of original artists that are emerging from springfield and making their mark and they're recording here now so you know a lot of times you'd have to kind of try to try to be known so that you could get uh, signed or you could get accepted by a recording studio somewhere else Mm -hmm. and then go to a bigger city and do that well there's there's different recording studios and things Happening here, um, not to mention just the uh, advancement in technology where, where people are able to record their own stuff and then put it out and use social media and try to, you know, create a buzz. But along with that, there's just a ton of really Good musicians in Springfield, a lot of creative people, and along mm-hmm. with with the the encouragement of uh, developing venues in town, like uh, you know, you got the big ones uh, that people know about. You know, the Riff is a good, a really awesome place. Um, then you know, you have uh, like the Galois, uh, as far as a bigger venue. <clears throat> there, uh, Crave, which used to be Cartoons, which actually just shut down. Oh. Yeah, but for years they were a huge supporter of live music. Um, mm-hmm. So there's some bigger where you know bar venues but then there are a ton of uh smaller places like uh, dublin's pass and four by four brewing tie and timber um mm. mother's brewing a lot of little locations vino cellars uh, my daughter and i play at vino cellars on republic road all the time um, mm. and so there has been an acceptance and an emergence of people in places that um are wanting live music. And so as they've started to, uh, you know, allow musicians to come in and, and play, um, it, it just, it's flourished the scene. And, um, it, and I think, you know, when I look back, uh, to when I was in college in the, in the nineties, the mid and late nineties, there, there was a, just a few places in town like there was the Regency and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they bring in touring groups and then like on a Wednesday, or a Tuesday you could catch local acts. And then um, mm-hmm. there uh, there's a, like Nathan P Murphy's occasionally you could go see a buddy play music there, you know, mm-hmm. then, and, and, and that was a big shift because talking to these guys, I guess there was a hot music scene in the sixties and seventies. And then it kind of died out in the eighties and, mm. and, and, kind of then came to a crawl in the nineties and is, and mm-hmm. now has started to, um you know reconnect and uh and get get people back out but you know there is a there's a live um uh scene of cover groups and so uh, you know some are good some are not the best so you can go out on any night and hear music um it, but if you pick the right spot man you can really catch some very talented people uh Arthur. in Springfield right now
0: there's a, there's a group called the mixtapes. Are they local to here?
1: They are. Yep. They're all from Springfield. Okay. Yeah. And they okay. play nineties, uh, rock. Uh, they mix in a little bit of pop and, and stuff like that, but yeah, like members only the mixtapes, mm-hmm. um, Oh, machine gun symphony. Mm-hmm, uh, there's mm-hmm. a few groups like that. that are going to play, um, era covers. So, you know, nineties, eighties, that kind of stuff. And they're good. And man, they, what, what i give them props for whether i i like what they're doing or not they put on a show you know they yeah. they're they got lights they've got production the the guys that you know they know how to play their instruments and they sound good so yeah. you know you got to give them credit because they enter, they're entertaining you know so you you want to have a big event um you call those guys up you're gonna have a party because that that's what they do right yeah
0: i saw i saw machine gun symphony at um like the wing or the chili cook-off that mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. Uh, they were, they were there and yeah, it's not really my genre of music that I would pick, but yeah. uh, they definitely did. As you just said, they put on a really good performance and they were very into it. And everyone who does like that kind of music that was there seemed to be very excited. by Exactly. It that <laughs> yep. So you know, I'm not exactly. mad at them,
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: um. But, yeah.
1: Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so when, it's funny because those guys members only had really kind of, uh, put their hooks into the scene, um, along with Machine Gun Symphony back when I started Brookline Station, the band okay. that, that, that you came and opened for us with your, your comedy mm-hmm. act. Um, and and <laughs> ad- we call it that? Yeah. <laughs> I was doing air quotes, but you couldn't see it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Just kidding. But so <laughs> when, when we put that band together, one of the big things that I was really pretty uh, steadfast on um, was we were going to do a totally different genre than those guys were all doing because there were a lot lot of bands playing Southern rock and playing eighties hair band music, you know, right. and they were getting booked and, pe- you know, people really liked it, but I just didn't want to do that. So that was yeah. a big, a big thing that, you know, when we put that group together and, and I said, and we're not wearing wigs and we're not wearing spandex. So why <laughs> would we play that music? You know? <laughs> right.
0: Right. Yeah. I, uh yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a cover band Actually, I mean, again, I saw Machine Gun Symphony, like I just said, but I don't know that I've ever set out. I didn't go to the Chili Cook-Off to see them. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know that I've ever set out to see a cover band specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I have... Uh, the the cover band thing is interesting, and, and I get it, especially if you're trying to play at, like, bars and stuff, that mm-hmm. to some extent you need some songs that people are familiar with so that yeah. they're, so the crowd can kind of get engaged, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I always... I always thought it would be like the ultimate joke to myself would be to do stand-up comedy as a cover comedian and just do other people's bits, <laughs> just... which is they call you a hack if you do that and right. you don't say it. Right. But if I just went up and I was like, "All right," and this next joke is from Dave Chappelle's comedy special "Killing Them Softly" in two thousand one, and then just do a Dave Chappelle routine. Like, yep. d- however, unfortunately, with comedy, so much comes across in like the way that things are said and the specific yeah. language that is used. And I think with some of my favorite comedians, I probably wouldn't be socially accepted to replicate, you know, um, right. like I can't do Chris Rock's Bring the Pain from 1995, even though that is one of my all time favorite stand up specials. Uh, yeah, that's not going to go well. For right.
1: <laughs> 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 I, like, I like the idea. I like where you're going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is that it's it's like a it's like a, a comedian's joke where it would it would be really funny to anyone else doing comedy but the crowd would probably not, not <laughs> very much. <laughs> They're
1: like, what, what the heck is this? This is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, well, so when you were talking earlier about, you know, like you'd played trumpet all through you know, your childhood and into college and then, and then kind of put it down and just played intermittently. I mean, is, is, is playing an instrument like that kind of like riding a bike where you just, remember how to do it even if you haven't done well, it for a long
1: time yes and no it, it there is a muscle memory involved just like any activity or any sport or anything and mm-hmm. especially with trumpet trumpet is so uh, different. Um, you, you utilize so many different things. So not only just the, the, like I said, muscle memory of remembering what keys to push, you know, you have your three keys. So what makes a C versus an A versus a D or whatever, but you have to use what's called your embouchure. And the embouchure is within the, basically the corners of your mouth, uh, the muscles. Mm. And so as you're, you know, pushing air, you have to squeeze your mouth and you have to buzz your lips um, and so that that buzz is determined uh, the pitch of that buzz which goes into the horn is determined by the corners of your mouth and your embouchure and those muscles that are that kind of ring around your lips. And so if you don't play regularly then you you lose your fitness in your chops mm. just so you're like
0: it. motorboating the horn the whole time is what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> yeah. well you could say that <laughs> i respect for you to say that <laughs> i think that's insulting but i'm not sure um.
0: <laughs>
1: no the, but but it's the truth and that's what you know I've, i hear a lot of people talk about it. they're like oh you know i yeah i played back in high school but there's no way i could do it now and and they're oh. not entirely wrong in the fact that you I mean you can you just have to practice a lot like right now I'm my my chops my my uh, embouchure and my like trumpet strength is probably right now as strong as it ever has been because we have been practicing and rehearsing so much. Um, right? and so, you know, I've been pushing up to those high notes and I've been playing for links, you know, hours at a time on a nightly basis for uh, right. months to, and so right now, now if I just stopped cold Turkey and then try to pick it up here in a couple of weeks, I would, I will have already lost some of the progress that I've made. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So, um,
0: I guess so. Would you say that the trumpet is the hardest horn to play, or is it not? Are they all have their own unique difficulty?
1: Yeah, they're all pretty unique. To in that uh, trumpet being a high brass instrument is, I think, the expectation that comes with it makes it pretty tough. You know, people want you to step up and you know just hit those high notes and scream and uh, and and so the the lower brass, I think, at times there might be a little bit of a lower expectation. Now, I'm not saying they're not hard because I can't pick up a trombone and, you know, play it worth a crap compared to the guys that I've been playing with who've been, you know, obviously practice just like I do on their instrument and they're Mm -hmm. all unique. Like a trombone uh, has that slide that moves. Well, you have to know through muscle memory and practice how far to pull that slide out in uh, intermittent, sections to know what note you're on. Plus you, Mm. plus they use the embouchures in their mouth, you know, the, the muscles around their lips as well, just like a trumpet, just the, the mouthpiece is so much bigger and uh, the bowl in the mouthpiece is, is deeper. So thus the sound coming out, the horn is going to be bigger too. Same with a tuba or a sousaphone or baritone, any of those things. They're all pretty. Yeah. They all have their unique challenges um, for sure. Well, it's like,
0: and the reason I ask that is just because, like, um, I, I know a lot of people that play guitar, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I'm sure they wouldn't say that they have the same level of skill on guitar as they do on bass, but it it translates pretty well. It does switch between those. So I, I was curious if it was similar with horns like that.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's different. Like, it, I know exactly what you mean. So I, I play guitar and then I, I taught myself mandolin and it's somewhat translated. And then I picked up bass um, one time because I needed to. And so and th- yes, all the, the notes are the same on a bass, the frets and all that. You know, you play it differently, obviously, but it's pretty similar, um, you know, and you're using your hands, one hands you're you're picking with one hand, you're, uh, you know, fretting the notes with, whereas, uh, brass, if, or, well, any woodman, like I can't, I've never tr- even tried a saxophone, a clarinet, mm. a flute, that's a whole different monster. And I have right. great respect for the guys that do that and do it well. But like, if I grab, I could try and grab a, a trombone. Um, but you know, there's no keys on it. It's the slide. It's so to- it's totally different and you're in a bass clef, um, as right. opposed to treble clef with the trumpet. So it's just a, Yeah, it's a whole different thing. So I just stick to the trumpet. (laughs) So
0: I guess guess obviously, given your background, you 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 can at
1: least read sheet music. Then is that that correct? Yeah, that's yeah, I I learned that was one of the things uh, I know, like my my mom and dad when I was little, they really wanted that for me. They both had played brass instruments uh, going through high school and stuff and. I wanted to be a drummer. I really wanted to play drums when I was a kid. And so, and my mom wanted me to learn to read music. And so through that right. process, you know, she said, you you need to pick an instrument, one of these instruments. And um, she probably just didn't want to hear me banging on the drums all the time either. But she said, uh, you know, through that, that conversation, I knew that my dad had played trumpet and she played a little bit of trumpet before she moved French horn. And, um, and so I thought, well, I'll try that. And uh, they took me down to Palin Music when it was on Walnut Street downtown. <laughs> and uh, we picked up a, a King Trumpet, which I still have, and started doing some private lessons. And that was even before because you couldn't be in music in elementary school. I think it was till fourth or fifth, I think fifth grade. And I was in third yeah, grade. I'm- oh, OK. Yeah. So I started taking private lessons when I was in third grade. And so then when I started in fifth grade, I was actually they put me in the sixth grade band because I already knew how to do everything because of, uh, being in private lessons and, mm. and playing at Palance and everything. And so it, it kind of gave me a jump start. but yeah, I play, you know, on, anytime I play, um, trumpet, I'm going to either read sheet music that exists or I'm going to listen to a song and write it out, write my own part out, um, to accompany the song or write the part that somebody else is playing, but I'm going to write it in, um, in note form because I can read it.
0: So so you can just listen to a track and and know what notes are being played and then just copy that down on, on a piece of paper.
1: Yeah. Just, wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's Which- see, that's That's incredible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and I think that's been a big uh, benefit and a reason I I get asked to do things too. You know, there's, there's some good, there's several good horn players in town, good trumpet players in town, but I, uh, you know, if someone called me tonight and said, you know, what is this Monday or whatever? And he said, Hey, you know, Thursday night, I, we could really use you on these three or four songs. Mm -hmm. I I would be able to show up Thursday and have the parts written and be ready to go. Because oh, I can, right. yeah. Because I can sit there and I can, you know, pull up a song on YouTube. I can watch it. I can listen to it. Um, if something stumps me, I'll sound it out on my horn. I can write it all out, and then I'm ready to roll.
0: So, do you ever, do you ever just like, again, I'm very ignorant when it comes to all of this stuff. <laughs> so, but I, I, assume this is true. But do you like just hang out and like jam out
1: with people with the, the trumpet? Right now, uh, I could, you know, if that if that called for. Uh, right now honestly I just don't have time to do that like there's sure. there's a lot of uh, open mic nights around town there's you can mm. probably go you can probably go to open mic night every night Monday through Thursday around and maybe right. even some on the weekends that are out there but you know I could go um you know and there's, there's there's different groups that uh um I could probably go to and just say, hey man can I come in and sit in with you guys but right now there's there's enough demand on on with what I'm doing that uh um, I don't need to do that right now, but I could. Right. And, you know, and there's um, <clears throat> there are some jazz musicians, especially real strong mm-hmm. jazz musicians that will get called to do that. You know, um, there's a new place downtown called the Hepcat. And uh, I know there's a, a few other locations The Dugout here in Springfield. They have jazz nights. And a lot of times, you know, if I would show up with my trumpet, if I knew somebody in there, they would say, yeah, come up and let's, you know, just play a couple songs and just, you just pick up on the key, of the song and, you know, and just complement it with uh, with what you play.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge music fan. I listen to music all the time, mm-hmm. um, multiple hours a day, probably. And, um, and it, it's disappointing because as much of a music fan as I am, I know nothing about it and can't <laughs> identify like what what might be making a sound that I might like in a song. So it's <laughs> yeah. really hard to describe to someone like a part that I think is cool. because mm-hmm. uh, Like, you know, where it goes like to do to. Do
1: no, no.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. sweet that you can can read it and and just listen to it and know what you're hearing yeah. um another buddy of mine misha who typically provides the, the music for the show yeah um he he is like we went to a concert up in st louis have you ever been to the pageant theater
1: oh i love there? that place that's a great oh, place my God. To see a show
0: it was so cool. I've never, I, the only concerts I've really been to are, you know, other than like at local small venues here are like tool concerts, but those are at sold out arenas. You right. know what I mean? So yeah. it's a, it's a totally different thing. And yeah, the pageant, we went and saw this guy named Jose Gonzalez, who uh, was like an acoustic singer, songwriter type.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, it was such the perfect venue. Like it was, there was plenty of people still, but there wasn't a bad seat in the house. Absolutely. And, everything is contained so like if you wanted to get up and get a drink at the bar or something you don't actually have to leave the room you know like it's in the room with the stage still yeah. so you can just it was just yeah it was incredible um but anyway my buddy Misha he was moving around the room because we were sitting on like one side of the stage kind of underneath the speaker and he got up a couple different times in the show and went and like listened from other areas just to like see how it sounded from a different spot in the room. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I, I, I mean, certainly I could stand up and walk around the room, but I don't have the capacity to appreciate <laughs> those nuances, you know, yeah. like, that.
1: well, and you know, that's, it's a good point because the more, you know, some people have that ear, like I, I have pretty good pitch. Like you're talking about listening to something like uh, if I'm listening to a trumpet part, especially just cause I'm so, Uh, cued into it, I can usually tell like what notes they're playing. Like even without Mm -hmm. like, I can say, Oh yeah. Okay. That's a C or that's in this key because if that's a C and he walked down to here, he's playing C, A sharp, F sharp, whatever, you know? And so because I've played for so long, um, but there's some people that have perfect pitch and it blows me away. Those people, Um, one guy that is in this uh, granny's bathwater group who did tour with also, and still does, play with the ozark mountain dare, daredevils is oh, okay. yeah bill jones and bill jones is a saxophone player he plays uh, all the all different saxophones from uh, tenor to barry to soprano he does the whole thing and he's fantastic at it and putting this show together it was almost to a, a point of annoyance because he would say no no play this note and i'd be like i am playing that no he's like no you're not <laughs> he's like, "No, play this note and then i'm like that sounds just like what i'm playing and he he'd say go you know, go." down half a step or whatever and i wouldn't he's like there that's the note I'm like oh, yeah you're right
0: <laughs> dang it you ever, this is a weird analogy but have you ever seen the documentary on netflix Jiro dreams of sushi
1: no Mm-mm.
0: okay well it's a, it's about this guy who's like i mean i don't know if he's still alive now i guess uh but he, he's in his 90s and he's made sushi since he was like 20 years old and he doesn't like to take weekends he doesn't like to take vacation holiday yeah. he literally just just make sushi. It's like his favorite thing to do. And it's considered like the best sushi in literally all of the world. Wow. Um, But anyway, he, he has a, a a guy who is like his understudy or whatever. And that guy was making this like cake, I think that's, that's made from eggs or something. So it's kind of like a quiche kind of thing. I don't, Mm they don't call it that, but that's effectively what it is. And this guy made the quiche for two years before Jiro, his his, you know, master or whatever, the teacher, uh, finally told him that it was it was good enough. For yeah. two years daily he would bring him this cake and he'd be like no, he would taste it and be like, No, that's not right. Do it again. Yeah. And then and it shows in the documentary after he turns it in after two years of this and he's like he tastes it and he's like, Yeah, that's good. And that's it. Like he doesn't <laughs> celebrate with anything. And the dude just starts bawling. He just starts weeping oh, yeah. because I mean his life has been trying to make this this cake, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that was incredible. your
1: experience trying to hit the right note. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> months and months. I finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well it's funny that you say it because you know you're talking about when when i stopped playing so if if yep. i rewinded back to when um i was coming out of college trying to get a job and you know uh, newly married and then we started a family and all these few years within there where i didn't play much at all um if i started playing again honestly i probably i I would have thought I sounded pretty good. You know what I mean? Like I picked it up and maybe I couldn't right. play for very long, but you think, Hey, you know, that's not too bad, but, when now that I've gone through like this experience with these these pros and these guys and 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 played and played, you know, I look back. If I was to you know mentor my old self, I'd be like, uh yeah, you got you got a long way to go. You got a lot of work to do. You know what I mean? It's like, Don't oh.
0: take this on stage. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're not ready. Your your cheesecake is not ready. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, something you said earlier that, that, I, that I kind of struck me as surprising, which again is just because I don't know how, how any of it works. <clears throat> but you, you've you been talking about how it's like, like difficult to play a high note,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which sounds like kind of like how people will struggle to hit a high note like in singing. Yeah. But with like and again, I just relate everything to guitar because that's the only thing that I even have a cursory knowledge of. But like on a guitar, it's not harder to play a high note than it is to play a low note. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. I didn't realize that with, or like on a piano, but I didn't yeah. realize with the horn instrument, it would be more difficult to to play the higher note. And I guess that's to do with like the, the mouth stuff you were talking about earlier. Yeah,
1: it is. It, it, it's, it's twofold because uh, part of it is your ear for knowing, I mean, to hit the high note in key. So to hit it correctly, mm-hmm. you have to be able to hear it. Um, but then you also have to have the breath support, um, you know, in guitar, you, you know, one finger you you put on the fret and the string you want. And the other one, you hit that hit that string on the, you know, down by the sound hole and you have your note mm-hmm. in, in trumpet. You not only have to push the correct amount of air um, for volume and for pitch, but then you have to um, also configure your mouth. So you really have to squeeze the sides of your mouth together pinch the uh you know your lips really tight as you blow to make the pitch of the horn and note go up and so there are guys that um that get i'm trying to think of a good way to say so like a middle c is a tuning note it'd be like right around in there so i can hit a a octave above that so you take it up you know a full octave higher and then i can go a few notes above that there's guys that make a living by playing what's called the Super C. So you have your tuning note, you go up a full octave. Um, so, you know, D, E, F, G, mm-hmm. A, B, C, and then you go up a full another octave, which. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so these guys, you know, they're, they're, but they're also, it's uh, like our, Arturo Sandoval and uh, like. Um, the um, Rashawn, uh that plays for Dave Matthews band. And I mean, there's, there's, oh. several, and there's guys around here that can do that too. I have never been able to do that. I can go yeah. up to, after playing all these months, I can get to about E above C. So I can hit the high C regularly and I can go up maybe even to an F now, which, uh, you know, I can go up a couple notes higher than that, but good Lord. I, I mean, I don't know it, it should, but it's, it's technique. <laughs> And it's, and it's practice and it's, it's breath support and it's just knowing how to do it and how to really clinch down and and push that out. But it is, it's, uh, it's totally different than playing a stringed instrument, um, where, or, or yeah, where you just, you know, you know where it needs to go and you hit that with your fingers.
0: Right. So, um. Something else that you said earlier was you were talking about when you when you sat with the guys kind of in the horn section or whatever, for this recent gig that you did. Mm -hmm. Um, And you said that you guys were like, like going really slow and and practicing slow. So, you know, I, I know in like, let's say like martial arts, for example, it's common that you'll practice techniques in a very slow way so that you master the technique before you kind of start speeding it up as opposed right. to just flailing around. So is <laughs> right. that true in, in music as well? Or, yeah, or at it least is. In- okay,
1: And that's, and that, that translates to it, to anything, uh, whether it's singing or playing guitar or anything, a lot of, a lot of, uh, musicians will call that wood shedding which just means you're going and you're you're chopping it down to the bare bones so maybe you you have a line that's like 20 measures well maybe you play one measure 30 times and then you move to measure 2 and you play it 30 times and then you move to measure 3 and you play it 30 times then you play measures 1 through 3 30 times you haven't even looked down at the, at the rest of it yet because you need right. to get these area, these you know these the technique on those down. And, but that's, again, that's the muscle memory you're developing. You're familiarizing yourself with the tune. You're familiarizing yourself with the order of the notes and you're developing that technique, uh, like, just like the martial arts or anything. Um, You know, and, and, and when you play it slowly, your ear becomes accustomed to how it goes. So as you speed it up and you start going faster and faster and faster, um, you know, it, it becomes second nature to you by the time that you Mm -hmm. get to the point where you can move further into the song. I got you. Mm -hmm. So uh, yet another,
0: yet another comparison of trumpet to guitar and bass. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, uh, like I like Buckethead quite a bit. I don't know if you've ever listened to his music. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I don't like the, I think he's in, I think he's in, or was in like Guns and Roses, right? For a while. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I, that's not my jam, so I don't, I don't really care for that Buckethead music. But he actually has some really, really beautiful albums that are like more down tempo and just instrumental. And mm-hmm. but that dude plays guitar in some crazy ways. Like he does some some crazy stuff, uh, just physically with it, or or like like Les Claypool, where he like does the slap bass from Primus. Or Red, oh yeah, right. right yep. So is there anything similar to that that people like, do you you ever encounter anyone that experiments with the instrument in kind of a a non-traditional way with trumpet?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what you can, what you can really find um, is kind of, you can you can customize your sound to the genre of music you're playing for one so Mm -hmm. like um a lot of times you know if you play more kind of traditional or slower jazz you might um add a little more air to your tone um as Mm -hmm. you play and you might uh, just kind of back off on the volume and kind of finesse the song a little bit more um you can also get a different instrument like i have i have two trumpets um, I have a silver trumpet that is lacquered that um, that's the one I've been playing more of here lately. And um, I, you, it's good. It gives you a good sharp tone that cuts through a full rock band. Um, mm. my, the other trumpet that I have um, is a 69 Olds Mendez trumpet, which is non-lacquered. It has a more uh, buttery, darker tone. Um, and so, you, you know, I would use that for blues or jazz. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, so you can customize your instrument to what kind of music you're playing. Um, then -hmm. you have mutes. Um, so a a real basic way to change your tone on a trumpet would be a mute. So like Miles Davis played most of his music with a, um, a Harmon mute. Um, so you get this real cool, um, tone that comes through that sounds real mellow. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, but then at the same time, um, you can use a plunger and you get that wah, wah, wah sound to it as you move mm. the plunger out, you can use um, a bucket mute where it just makes your whole tone kind of even darker and more muffled, but it can lend itself to, you know, the kind of music that you're playing. And, and some mm. some trumpet players use... Um, use pedals too, just like a guitar player. Um, So you can, uh, like one of the guys in the Granny's group, he has a a harmonizer, so you can tune it in to where I may be playing um, in the key of uh, C, but yet you can also, you get your tone, plus coming through the uh, speakers or the PA system, you can tune it down to another note so you harmonize with yourself through the pedal. Um, So it sounds like two trumpets playing yeah and and you can use a wall that's pretty cool yeah it's very it can be very cool you can use distortion you can use you know some guys use wah pedals just like guitar You know, so as you're playing your notes, you're moving it with your foot. So it's, you get that, you know, kind of sound to it real different, Mm -hmm. you know, so some guy, yeah, some people take that real, their tone kind of on an avant-garde kind of uh, movement where they, they want to really go out there and do something different with their tone. Um, You know, I haven't really gotten into the pedals much, but I use, you know, mutes in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, I played in the group, the kidders, uh, which was also Margo and the kidders and, and I would tip use a Harman mute and then the harmon mute also has a stem that you can push into the mute so you can get a real mellow um, soft sound that's really cool that sounds kind of um, old-school like 20s and 30s jazz sound but then you put this <laughs> stem in and you can just put your hand over it and, and get a, a really old trumpet sound that has that nice wah sound to it so it's real cool ways that you can mess around and, and you know with your tone um but Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole world out there, Walker. A whole world.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I actually have a much deeper appreciation for for the trumpet and just horn music in general now, I think, after the conversation. <laughs> well, <good. laughs> Clearly
1: I didn't know anything based on the questions I asking. But uh But, you know, I mean, and it really lends itself to what kind of music you're playing, because like if I'm you know, if I'm not going to have the same breath support or tone when I'm playing with a keyboard player and a bass and me, you know, and or if I'm playing with a full rock band or if I'm playing with a marching band or if I'm playing classical music, you know, you kind of tailor what you're doing. Um, A lot of times in orchestral music when it has trumpets, you're playing a lot of staccatos, you know, because the strings are going to be so flowy that the horn parts are going to come through in a different timbre in a different way. Whereas, uh, you know, when you're if I was to do that, when it was just me, a piano player and a bass player, it's going to it's going to be disruptive to the type of music. Mm -hmm. So you want to play a little more mellow and you want to, you know, bring your tone together to complement the other instruments you're playing with.
0: So earlier we were talking about how you, you know, you, you have the ability to read and then, and then write down, you know, music as you listen to it, or, or, you know, if it's, if it's given to you, you can obviously read it that way. Have you ever just sat down and written your own songs from scratch though? Um,
1: yes, I have some, uh, most of the time, I, I do it to someone else's music. So, um, Mm -hmm. like the, some the songs that I sent you from my friend, Nate White, Mm -hmm. those songs, I, uh, would, we would go and I would sit and that's kind of the, you're talking about jamming out. That's kind of what I would do with him where I would, he invited me out. He was working on a couple new albums and he, he, he said, you know, I want you to be a part of this and and I'd love for you to play trumpet. I, he said, but I, you know, you've put what you want and what you hear um, to these songs. So I would just sit there and he would play the song and I would listen to it and I would just kind of play, you know, and if I, if something struck me right, then I would write it down. And then, uh, and then I would keep listening and we would adjust it and make sure that, you know, it's what he wanted, but it was, it was what I wrote. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not that often that I sit down and compose you know, something for trumpet. I've, I've not really done that, but I have added trumpet parts to music that didn't have trumpet parts. I do that all the time.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, actually, that's a, that's a good segue. Uh, Cause like you said, you did send me a couple of those songs and, and I would, I wanted to play those, you know, in, in this show. Um, so I guess the, the first one we'll listen to is, uh, is Red Velvet Blues, which is track 10 on the album Passenger, yeah. which is, a Nate White um uh, album. Yeah. Um so we'll go ahead and listen to that. <laughs> right well that was that was super dope I, I really enjoyed it whenever you had sent it to me originally um so the red velvet blues is that that's one of the songs that you worked on and what you were just describing before we listened
1: yeah and and so not only is that example of uh, original work but it's also original or an example of tone and changing uh using mutes um in the And effects because when I when working with Nate, Nate is a rock artist. I mean that's what he does. A lot of the music that he does is like heavy rock. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, so this is a little bit of a change for him. But uh, you know he had some things he wanted to write about. He had some uh, songs in his head, and so I I just tried to help him develop those. And by adding trumpet to them, and so I used harmon mutes on uh, on that one as well as the other one that uh, I had sent you, and then we used some things like uh, reverb and some different effects that he had in his editing software when we did the recordings uh, to add that kind of uh, ambiance to match match the song.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, the you know I, I'm not a big jazz listener. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've been just at a a few handful of times in my life been to places where they're playing jazz and and enjoyed it Mm -hmm. um but i just haven't really sought out jazz albums i guess uh but i listen to a lot of electronic music and like like drum and bass is a genre that i'm pretty into Mm -hmm. and there's actually quite a bit of drum and bass that features horn type music in it have you ever been around that
1: kind of stuff at all yeah somewhat there's a few uh a few bands that I listen to, and I, I don't know if they call them bands or artists, but um, – and, yeah, right. and and of course, like right away, it's uh, – I'm, I'm having trouble remembering all the – like there's a couple that are more considered DJs that mm. have uh, – it's like not R2-D2, but it's based on – it's like RJ. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, R- I, think it, I think it's RJ.
0: J D two something it's something like that
1: <laughs> right yeah Misha
0: and, will will mock us for this because okay. he loves them but yes yes anyway
1: yeah and so that's a prime example of something that Nate and I have delved into uh, as a separate project just because it is a it's kind of a um, jazz fusion with uh, like hip hop beats and uh, you know heavy bass strong drum beats and then having some overlaying horn lines that kind of bring the song alive and make it real danceable, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing that he does. And so I really dig that kind of music uh, a lot and, and, You know Nate, with part of what he's doing, he dives into all sorts of genres. That's one that we've kind of messed around with. Is uh, he'll lay down a a bass track, he'll he'll create a beat, and then he's just like, "Hey, whatever you feel, man, just you know, let's let's record a few you know trumpet licks here and and so that's a lot of fun to play."
0: Yeah, yeah. I was when I was asking about writing the music earlier, I was I was curious because uh, again, you know, Misha he he will kind of and and not to. He certainly does not have, has not have the success of a, a Trent Reznor so <laughs> I don't mean to pick the biggest star possible to compare him to <laughs> but that like he, he has several albums that he's made but that's kind of he kind of does it with the Trent Reznor approach where he sits and composes all of the different parts himself yeah. and then produces it now to play it live he would obviously have to you know hire a band because he couldn't play all the instruments at once right. um yeah i think that that's super fascinating that people can do that because i, I I was in choir when I was in junior high, Mm -hmm. and I was in choir for maybe, I don't know, a few weeks. And they came to me, and they were like, you know, you are so good at counting. And I was like, (laughs) thank you. And they were like, what we want you to do instead of sing is count and play this triangle. Um, And you'll just do that during the songs. And I was like, promotion.
1: Yeah. Later
0: in life, I realized that it's because I just sound horrible and I'm super loud. So I'm sure I was overpowering (laughs) other students that could actually sing a little bit. Uh, Uh, So good on them for putting a positive spin on it. That's
1: right. They were putting you – it's just like the whole good to great thing. They are just putting you on the right seat in the bus. Right, right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then I also did play handbells for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. which I also, I'm sure, was not good at. But handbells was a little easier because you literally each bell is one note. Yeah. So it's it's not quite as demanding. There's not a lot of changing. You just kind of learn what your note looks like on the page, and then grab that know, bell, do a little ding noise. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. I wore the little white gloves and everything. Oh
1: yeah, know. that's legit, yeah. man.
0: Oh yeah, it was it was. I went to a, a Christian. Uh, junior high school yeah a lutheran school and so it was part of that although i don't think i actually went and actually to the concerts at the church which was probably disappointing for uh whoever was the instructor for that but (laughs) that's the story of my life disappointing (laughs) folks um (laughs) so so yeah so you know we've talked a little bit about different genres of music but and you know i don't mean to say what's your favorite or something because that's too loaded but you know, I guess, what do you find yourself listening to recently uh, when you're just listening to music for, for pleasure?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's still that's a tough one. Still I know. Yeah, and it really honestly, it, it has to do with what I'm involved in at the time lately. I have my favorites like. Um, Dave Matthews band or Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds acoustic Mm -hmm. is probably some of my favorite music. Um, they're just, they, it's a, it's a kind of a genre encompassing group and, you know, they, they will go from rock to jazz within one song to bluegrass. And, and so I really enjoy that because I think I have such a a wide appreciation of different kinds of music. So I, I really like that a lot. Um, you know, but at the same time, like um, if I'm if I'm developing songs or working on a project like I do with my daughter, you know, I, I tend to gravitate towards what I'm preparing for. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'll listen to um, the, the Lumineers or the Civil Wars or, um, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of music, uh, Mumford and Sons and stuff like that mm-hmm. just, just kind of gets my mind prepared for that. And then I can, you know decide on what we need to play and get ready for those things when you know when i'm listening getting ready for granny's bathwater I don't know i'm listening to their stuff but i'm listening to uh earth wind and fire and uh, grand funk railroad and the tower of power horns and stuff like that and getting yeah. real pumped up through that kind of music um but yet if i'm you know i i play um with the Springfield Community Jazz Ensemble, it's like a volunteer big band in town yeah. and so when I go I'm headed on to play with one of those gigs, I'll you know, I'll go to my uh, Prime Music and and dial up uh, you know, some swing band music. It's just that that's kind of what I have to do because of where I put myself and the availability that I've I've opened up for myself to play so many different kinds of genres. I kind of have to get mm-hmm. my mind directed on that path when I'm on that project.
0: Right. Now that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So, you know, for me, like I said earlier, I listen to music all the time, and mm-hmm. and for me, like music, and I, not that this is unique to me, um, but music just has a very deep kind of emotional connection. Where absolutely, you know, I pick different kinds of music to listen to, kind of based on what my like. If I need to to mow the yard. I put on gangster rap, right? So that way I (laughs) obviously pack the yard, you know, (laughs) um, I'm actually not kidding. I I really do that, but, um, (laughs) but I, I have an appreciation for what I call pop rap. Um, I mean, I like old school rap, you know, like Tupac is is probably my favorite rapper of all time. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I wouldn't put, you know, Migos in the same category with Tupac. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can, yeah, I can listen to, to some, some stuff like that. So, I mean, Yeah just maybe talk a little bit about you you know the emotional side of music for you I mean obviously you're playing it so it's different than just listening or consuming it but yeah um do you find yourself in that same kind of space where different things kind of complement different moods or different you know
1: yeah places you find yourself at that absolutely and that's I mean it's that's a big part of it and the reason I kind of stumble over my words is it it's like there is a soundtrack to our lives, I I believe, Mm -hmm. you know, it music will take you wherever you're at um, and take you, where you were the first time you heard that song or where, what kind of life experience you had at a certain point that um, relates to that song. And, um, and I think that's so unique and not only that, but you can hear a song for the first time. And because of like the way it was composed and the chord structure, I mean, it can cause you to cry or it can cause you to, you know what I mean? Or it can cause you to get so excited and so pumped up and, it, you know, it so it, there's that emotional aspect of it that a true artist, um, you know, will, will – can play with and toy with and knows how to use that to really connect with people.
0: Yeah, like, you know, like I, I, I can watch a movie that's sad and and it's rare that I'm, you know, become emotional in mm-hmm. watching that. But then I've told this story before on the pod, I think, but it was – I don't know. It was in the last year sometime. I was in I was in a Walmart and I heard the Tracy Chapman song Fast Car. Oh, yeah. Like over the overhead speaker. And like that song doesn't have a deep significance to me. I don't have a memory associated with it. I didn't grow up on it But for whatever. But I know it. I mean, I've heard it, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, for whatever reason, it just grabbed me. And then I went I left the store and was driving home and I, I put it on. And and yeah, it definitely just—I I was crying while I was driving yeah. home, and I don't know why. Because right. it's not like I—I I mean, I had to look up the lyrics when I got home to see what the thing's even about, you know. Yeah. Uh, or like my buddy Misha, one time he made an album and gave it to me, and there was some song on it, and same thing. Like I have no idea what the lyrics are. I, I don't know what it's about. So it's not—it's not the story that's being told. And same thing, just straight waterworks. And I told him that, and he was like, "Really? That's surprising." Because I mean. It's not like a particularly sad song necessarily, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, but yeah, like you said, it's just I don't know the way it's composed. Sometimes I guess just uh, yeah, just hits you right.
1: I know there's a and there is a science behind it that that I don't understand. That's beyond me as far as you know chord structure, how to how to yeah. deliver that you know, uh, that, that those feelings just simply through sound waves and, you know, that's kind of beyond me, but I know it exists and I, I believe it because obviously, yeah, you're, you'll be listening to some classical piece with no words. So it's not like you're, Mm -hmm. you're relating to, you know, um, lyrics that someone is, you know, saying to you to tell a story, it's all from the music. And so as these, uh, you know, chords are being struck or the volume increases or the, the speed of it, it can you can train, change your heart rate it can change you know your emotional stability at that point and it's, right. it's very very powerful
0: yeah yeah no totally totally agree with that and, and have that experience a lot um I don't know yeah I just I love music so much that's why I was so excited to have you come on the show and yeah. talk about music your music because it's just I don't know to me it's like i'm a huge gamer i own over a thousand pc games and yeah love video games but there's the old cliche of like if you had to go to a stranded island and can only take one thing what would it be and it would definitely be like you know spotify before it would be a video game <laughs> right um, because yeah there's just there's just so much to it um so anyone who's listened to the show very much especially lately since i now do a, a, a tool quote of the week <laughs> will know that tool is very near and dear to me mm-hmm. uh, are you yourself a, a tool listener
1: you know i i don't listen to it enough i ha- i have from the past and then i've listened a little bit to the new album oh, that have you? came out yeah and and I, you know i'm not one that can really i pick out like the name of the song but i appreciate what I think I appreciate most is just the musicianship of tool. Yes. They're so good. Yes. And there's, they're, and, and, and so, and I, it's one of these deals that um, more and more musicians that I get involved with it's when that album drops, like every group I was a part of, you'd show up to rehearsal. Oh my God, have you heard the new tool? Oh, it's, it's so great. And, you know, and so you're like, really oh, man, I, I need to clue in on these guys. You know, I know, you know, I know mm-hmm. how good they are and, and they, that, they cover like their fan base because of how good their musicianship is, is so vast and wide. I mean, you know, people that listen to all kinds of genres of music love tool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's now
0: I can do probably because I I was a kid when it was, when it was coming out, but I can do like nineties grunge type, like, you know, STP or Pearl Jam or I don't know, Nirvana, that kind of genre. Uh I don't, I don't absolutely love it, but, but I can listen to that and enjoy it. Right. Um, but as far as anything more modern, like, I really just don't listen to rock music outside of Tool. Like yeah. And I have listened to, I hold it on such a pedestal that I'm like, it's more like electronic music if it was played with heavy metal instruments. Yeah. Which I don't know that that's actually fair, but. I understand it, what you mean. It gives me that kind of same feeling. Like, it, yeah. it's weird when I go to Tool shows and people are like, oh, I love rock and roll. Like, yeah. woo. And it's like, really? that's what you get out of this? Like, that's, <laughs> not, that's not what I get out of this. Yeah, you know? right. Um, but well, fair enough. Fair enough. I won't press you anymore on the tool. I just had to ask. I, just had to ask.
1: <laughs> I have um, a fair appreciation for them. I just don't listen to them enough. Uh, it sounds Well, it's,
0: it, it's good that you said that or I would have stopped the recording immediately. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm and kidding.
1: delete. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> Dude, I,
0: when I was in my early twenties, I was so un, insufferable. I used to be that guy. Like if I would, if I would ask someone, do you like tool? If they said that they just hadn't heard it before, then that would be a, a fair statement. Yeah. But if they were like, yeah, I don't know. I just not really into it. It's like, I don't really want to talk to you anymore, So, (laughs) which is super dumb and pretentious (laughs) and again, insufferable of me, but that's where I was. Um, so, um, I think I want to, I want to end the show here, which in in a few moments with the, the, the other track that you sent, which is Brown sugar. Yeah. Um, which is track seven on the album princess superhero, which is again a, a Nate white album. Yeah. Um, so talk maybe a little bit about what went into to making that song.
1: You know, that the process was very similar to uh, Red Velvet Blues, and we there's a couple other ones too. Um, but it was the same kind of thing. Now, he put this um, track, Princess Superhero is actually like a heavy rock album. So, mm. so this track blends into that um and and you can kind of hear the undertones and some of the guitar parts and stuff that are in it but the process of it was the same thing he was like come out he has kind of a smaller studio and he says come out to my studio space i just want to play this stuff for you um and and see what see what moves you and see what what you would want to put on this and just at Mm -hmm. the time that you know when i sat there and listened to it what i played was was what i heard and it, from from what I remember as well, when we did that, this one there was a um, multi-recording track. So I would record myself playing in, in certain notes, like higher. But then I was like, man, it could really use something lower. So we just record more trumpet parts. So it's myself playing over myself to kind of huh. yeah layer and thicken the the sound um, in there. That's pretty. Yeah, and then we added a little bit of effects um, to make it sound like it was in a bigger room and to make it sound like there's a little bit of reverb, so a little bit of echo effect to it that just kind of sure. felt like it matched what he had already laid down with the guitars and everything.
0: Right. A lot of heavy use of auto-tune on the vocals. I'm totally kidding. That's,
1: that's
0: not a thing at all. Um, <laughs> that, that is a trend that I am not a fan of, the No,
1: way, nor so am I. Yeah.
0: I don't understand it. And especially on rap stuff, it's like, just stop trying to sing. Right. Like, that's not
1: that's how you <laughs> made it. A, I've got an no idea one, for you.
0: <laughs> right. Well, we think. all saw Ja Rule in like 2001 when he did that. And yeah. it's like, this already has been done and it's terrible. Yeah. So please stop.
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, you're talking to me about genres too. I mean, that's that's really one thing that I kind of gravitate towards it. jazz and, and even like bluegrass and some and – some um, uh, music like that, like I, I enjoy raw, unpolished, on the spot music more than I do uh, overproduced or or highly produced music. Like I'd rather go listen to a group live that has z- zero effects or, may- or even zero microphones. You know, they're just they're playing their instruments or they're singing that I, f- I feel more of a connection to that than I do mm-hmm. some of the other music that's a little more, uh, you know, made with uh, m- machines, I guess you could say you know.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's I mean, again, I, you know, I've almost only exclusively been to Tool concerts, mm-hmm. so I have a very limited frame of reference, but that's actually what a lot of people say about that that's so remarkable is that the, the concert sounds exactly like the album, which mm-hmm. it, it does. I listen to the albums a lot and then go to the show, but I guess that's not always the case. You know, there's some bands that might have a great album, but there's a lot of work done in the studio, and then when they get on
1: stage, they're not able to really recreate that. Yeah, in some way. yeah it's unfortunate you, know. you see that quite often. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, Corey, I really, really appreciate you joining the the podcast this evening. It's been a blast talking with you. Um, I know that you're kind of a mercenary trumpet player at this point, (laughs) but, uh, is there, is there anywhere that people should be, trying to, to find you or, or look you up or reach out to you? Is there any contact method that you've got that you'd like to share?
1: Uh, well, so uh, a couple things I'm involved in. Um, uh, one project that uh, you can look up on Facebook as well as Instagram is called SIDADRE, and that's S-Y-D-A-D-R-E, and that's me and my daughter. It stands for SID and her padre sadadre and so uh we're on facebook and instagram um but then as far as trumpet work just on facebook um uh, and in instagram as well if i'm going to be in an upcoming show then i just put it under my name on my page and and throw it out okay. there as, to, as far as what's coming up
0: cool yeah well i will i'll be sure to put links to those in the show notes for anyone who's interested um yeah man it's been a real blast and, and like i said earlier we'll, we'll play it out with uh with brown sugar um yeah thanks a lot for for joining the show yeah thanks for having me walker Well, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much again, Corey Johnson, for joining the show. Uh, Thank you also to Corey and Nate White for providing us some really great music to to feature in the show. As always, thank you, Misha Zarens, for providing music for the rest of the show. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and have a great week.